0: Um, But we're going to pursue our theme and so our theme is um, a clean slate was kind of how it was titled or having a covering for sin And that was numbers 15. We're going to be in Genesis chapter 3 So if you would like to turn there, that would be great. We'll be there in just a minute Um, But I like to talk and I would encourage you to feel free to talk back with me Uh, so Thinking about the word covered. I want to think about some things that we use to cover ourselves with Right? So all of us today looks like we've got our covering down pat, right? We're wearing clothing, and so we've got this figured out. Well, here's a number maybe you didn't know. In the United States, the apparel industry is 343 billion dollars. It's one of the largest industries that we have in our country. That's a lot of Moolah, right? It's a lot of cash. 343 billion bucks. All right now. Um, there is a company, and it's an American company. It's out in Oregon, and it's the largest apparel company on the planet. They did about $30.6 billion worth of revenue in 2015. Can anybody name that company? No? Not Oshkosh. Good guess. They deal in the world of sports worldwide. Nike. All right, so Nike is the largest apparel industry on the planet, $30.6 Billion dollars is what they revenued here just a little over a year ago. Uh, So that's in big terms, right? I don't know that we're dealing with those kind of numbers personally. Um, I know I don't know you that well, but I think I know that maybe we're not dealing with those kind of numbers, 30.6 billion. But let's talk about some things that are a little bit more personal, okay? So let's get this down to our level a little bit. Time Magazine did a survey about clothing, and here's some of the results that came back from this survey. Uh, They say men on average own 12 pair of shoes, 12 pair, while women on average own 27 pair of shoes. So just think for a minute, men, do you have 12 pair of shoes on average? I would think that I do if you count like maybe flip-flops and things like that. I've probably got more than that, 12. That doesn't seem like a whole lot to me. Maybe it is. What about you ladies? 27? That doesn't sound like very much. (laughs) Are we ballpark? Are we low? Are we high? We're low, huh? All right. Well, maybe you fall in those categories or maybe you don't. On average, women have 30, and this is the word they used, okay, um, outfits. We don't typically talk about outfits in our house. Maybe you talk about outfits in your house. 30 outfits. Whereas men have roughly 20 to 25 kind of either a button-down or a polo shirt. So are we close in there? Ladies, you think you have 30 different outfits that you could wear? Probably? Yeah. Oh, we're not counting the old stuff, right? Okay. (laughs) All right. I think it was something like the average woman has a little over 20 handbags. All right? So some of you are like, I need to go shopping. I don't have my shoe quota or my outfit quota or my purse quota. On average, uh, a a lady will spend about $2,000 a year on her wardrobe, is what they came back with. Uh, Men are just a little bit less than that until it comes to jewelry. Then men tend to spend way more on jewelry than women do. Right? It's all those I'm sorry presents that we purchase. There you go. I want you to know that I didn't mean for that to happen. All right. Well, whatever the case is, we've got this clothing thing kind of figured out, all right? And we understand that uh, clothes are necessary. The clothing industry is, they're making a lot of money, right? $343 billion, uh, that's just U.S. That's that's a major market. And so people have made a, a good living out of creating trendy clothes that we like to wear and then get rid of year after year so we can uh, try to stay up to date or whatever. But when you think about it, why were clothes originally given? I mean, the first set of clothing was given to cover up sin, right? So really what you and I are wearing are just glamorized sin coverings. So what if we started greeting one another that way? When you came in the church this morning, if I approached you or somebody approached you and says, I love your sin covering today. What would you feel about your clothing? Probably not as excited, right? Or when you go to your closet and you open it up or go to your drawers, wherever your stuff is and you're pulling stuff out and go, I wonder what sin covering will I wear today? Right? It kind of takes the fun out of it. Or if you come to somebody and say, man, I got 50% off my sin covering this week. That almost seems sinful, like that makes it sound worse that we got a cheap sin covering. Okay. So we don't like to talk about it that way. So we've got name brands that we put on stuff, uh, patterns, styles, all kinds of stuff to keep us away from what clothes were actually intended initially to be entirely about. So nothing bad about clothes, okay? I'm glad we've all got this figured out. Um, To go the opposite way is not what the Bible teaches, right? Because then you're getting into indecency. So we want to make sure that we're covered. But the covering is a result of As a result of sin. So I've just been reminded that this is not how it was supposed to be. And I can't understand any other world than this world. Can you? Like to me, a world where people wear no clothes just makes me panic. Like makes me stressed, nervous. Possibly, yeah. Right. So Because we don't have our covering to hide some things, huh? All right. well let's talk today here about being covered in the significance of this out of Genesis chapter 3. And what the point of that is. We're going to get beyond the silks and the linens and the cottons and the polyesters. And we're going to start dealing with the things that really address our heart. Okay. So Genesis 3, we're going to find Adam and Eve here. At this point they've been deceived by the devil. And now they're starting to reap the consequences of that deception. Uh, So this is going to be brand new territory for them. But we want to look at the importance of being clothed properly today out of Genesis 3. So you can follow along in your Bible. You can follow along on the wall as well as I read here this morning. So tempted, gave in, ate the fruit. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food, pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. And then she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Right. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked. And so they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and says, where are you? And he answered, well, I heard you in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked. So I hid. And he said, well, who told you you were naked? Right? This is a shift. This would have uh, just cosmic effect for eternity. Who told you you were naked? You had no idea of that before this. Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? And the man said, well, the woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree, and I ate it. And then the Lord God said to the woman, well, what's this you've done? And the woman said, well, the serpent deceived me, and I ate. And so the Lord God said to the serpent, because you've done this, cursed are you above all livestock and all wild animals, You'll crawl on your belly and you'll eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. And to the woman he said, I'll make your pains in childbearing very severe. Is that true, ladies? With painful labor you will give birth to children. Your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. To Adam he said, because you listened to your wife and ate fruit from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat uh, food from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you'll eat your food until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken. For dust you are, and to dust you'll return. And so Adam named his wife Eve because she would become the mother of all the living. And then the Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife. And what did he do? he clothed them. He clothed them. All right, so today we're going to look at this covering of God. What's the purpose of it? What's it look like? And uh, how do we live within this today? How does this affect us um, in our life here this morning? So number one, as you're tracking along, we'll do three of these here today, but number one is this. God's covering is going to reveal our inability to adequately cover ourselves. God's covering reveals that we couldn't get the job done correctly ourselves. So, This is brand new territory for Adam and Eve, right? This is unfamiliar territory. So up until this point, they had enjoyed this close relationship with God, um, just walking in the garden together, hanging out together. There was this close, there was trust, there was confidence, there was peace. Everything about it was right. You and I don't know anything of this world until this point, all right? So then they eat of the fruit, fear makes its way in, and now you've got Adam and God having a conversation. And so God says to Adam, Where are you? He says, I heard you in the garden. And I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. So you've got fear entering the scene now, and you've also got shame. And it's not just with God, right? Because the Bible says they saw that they were naked. So Adam saw Eve, Eve saw Adam. There was a lack of trust now. I don't trust her decision making, the way she's looking at me is different. I don't trust him. I don't have confidence in him. The way he's looking at me now is different. I, I'm scared of God. I've got this shame. Although I've made a covering, I still feel terrible. So this is just brand new territory that they are not navigating very well. And so the Bible tells us this. When they ate of the fruit, what Satan promised did not happen. He said, you would become wise like God. Did they become wise like God? No, they became ashamed. Right? Fear entered and their relationship now is wrecked. And so they became ashamed, and they tried to cover their sin. Let's read this here again. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, Adam and Eve, and they realized they were naked. And so they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. All right. so what a mess, right? Ever been there before? Sinned and tried to hide it? Right, sinned and thought, if nobody saw that, everything's Okay. I was talking with a guy that was here visiting with us last Sunday, and he was dropping off a vehicle as part of his job, taking a vehicle from one place to another. And when he got out of his vehicle, he didn't realize there was a curb where he had parked. And so his foot hits that curb and rolls, and he stumbles, 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 and just does a faceplant into a chain link fence. Rolls over on his side and kind of hurts his back. Well, he told it last Sunday, just cracking up. He said, if somebody has a camera on their property, they've been enjoying that all week. You know, they're just sharing that with everybody. So I've looked for it. I've tried to find it on Facebook or Google somewhere. I haven't seen it yet. but Hopefully there's a picture is what I told him. At least a picture, maybe a video, right? But if it's not there, then nobody would know it unless he told us the story, right? So sometimes we feel like I can do something and then I can cover it up. And as long as nobody hears about it or nobody knows about it, then it's just not that big of a deal. So let's say this morning that I had a bag of trash that I went and buried in the backyard. You wouldn't know that I had done that unless I had told you, right? Uh, Is the bag of trash still there? Yeah, so just because you wouldn't know about it doesn't mean that the trash isn't there. And just because I bury it doesn't mean that it's been dealt with, right? And so for you and I to deal with our sin correctly, we've got to be covered over rather than being covered up. And so for Adam and Eve, they tried to cover up their sin by making these little fig leaves. That's what that symbolizes. But their sin problem just simply was unaffected, right? So they know they're naked. They sew fig leaves together. Did their shame go away? No. They know they're naked. They sew fig leaves together. Was their relationship with God restored? No. Okay? So they tried to address the problem, but the only thing they did was seem to make matters worse. And so when you think about The purpose for God's covering, one, is to point us to our inability to cover ourselves. And so it's going to make us look beyond ourselves to see that we need help being covered over rather than being covered up. All right, let's go to here this morning. So not only does it show us our inability, and we've been there, we just said that. We've admitted to our ability to cover up our sin and try to hide it and act like it doesn't exist, and yet it still rots in our gut. All right? You've probably had sleepless nights because you haven't dealt with sin. You've probably confronted somebody in a store somewhere and you had anxiety all of a sudden because you hadn't dealt with your sin. He's offended me, she's offended me, and we, we've let our relationship fall apart. Now that I see you, it's just kind of... <laughs> and so we go to the different aisle or we don't answer the phone because we haven't dealt with our sin. We want to hide it, but it never gets dealt with that way. So it reveals we are definitely inadequate at covering ourselves. Right? But this is also then going to demonstrate that God's got some grace towards sinful people. So there's this idea, there's this thought that says, you've got to clean yourself up before you can come to Jesus. Right? and So we tell people to quit living in sin. Right? So whatever, stop living together. All right? We say, you know, quit getting drunk all the time, or quit cheating on your spouse or on your taxes, or quit doing whatever. Get all that stuff right, then come to Jesus. And right here in Genesis 3, that whole idea is just blown up, right? They're a mess. They're trying to hide their sin, and you've got God coming to them. God reaches their direction. Where did they go? They went and hid from God. And here you've got God making his way towards them. And so he's going to ask them what happens. So let's remind ourselves once again of the conversation. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? So he just said, I'm hiding, all right? Because I'm afraid. We just read that. I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, who told you you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? And the man said, the woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. And then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate it. Okay? So God's asking some questions here. So let's back up a minute. Let's see here. Did God know where Adam was? Sure. Okay. So why does God ask the question, Adam, where are you? you know, kind of like we would do. We don't know where you are. And so we call to somebody. Why did he ask the question? And so Adam answers in verse 10. Verse 11, who told you that you were naked? Did God not know how this happened? Did something kind of slip past God and he was unaware that sin had entered the world? No, then why is he asking the question? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? Did he know the answer to that already? Yeah, so why is he asking? Well, the woman that you put here with me, all right? Then the Lord God said to the woman, what's this you've done? So here again, he's still questioning. He's interviewing. It sounds like he doesn't know what's going on. He's trying to get the scope of the problem. What happened here? Well, the serpent deceived me or the woman you gave me, it was her fault, all right? So why is he asking the question? What would you say? It's just another test here, okay? And so there's two things he's wanting to, at least two things here he's wanting to take place. Number one is he wants them to acknowledge that they had known what they had been commanded to do. Right? He says to Adam, have you eaten of the tree that you were commanded not to eat from? And Adam essentially says, yes. Do you remember when your parents dealt with you or maybe you've dealt with your children or grandchildren? When they did something that they were told not to do, you reminded them of that, didn't you? Didn't I tell you don't go over there? Didn't I tell you don't say that anymore? Right? And they want to hear from us. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. The point is to remind us of what's true. Acknowledge what's true, but then also confess that what we did was wrong, that it was sinful. So did Adam confess? You remember? Well, let's back it up and see. Verse 10, or verse 11, or verse 12. The man said, the woman you put here with me, all right, so why did you eat? Well, it's because the woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree, but then what? And I ate it, right? He's confessing. Okay, here's my reason why, but yes, sir, I did eat it. What about you, woman? Well, the serpent deceived me, but what? But I ate it. And so, yeah, I knew what you had said, and now I am ad- admitting and acknowledging and confessing that, yes, I did violate what it is that you asked me to do. All right? So, in this moment, you've got sin entering the world, and we know where sin enters the world, death enters the world also. And so, God could have just said, I'm through with you. Right? This is over. And so, before it really gets started any further, before you uh, be fruitful and multiply, we're going to stop this whole thing. Because you just made me angry and yet he doesn't. He's going to reach their direction. and He's going to do so with a, with a step of grace. See, God works the same way with us. Right? When we've sinned, we've got to acknowledge, number one, that there's a command or something that we've sinned against. Right? It's not enough just to feel crummy, feel guilty, feel shame. That's not enough. Why do I feel this way? We've got to go to the next step. I feel this way because I'm being convicted because this is the standard and I missed it. There is a God who says this is how you're to live and how you're not to live and I'm either doing what He said don't do or I'm not doing what He said do. And so I'm acknowledging that there's truth, number one, but then I'm also confessing that I fell way short of the standard or of the bar that God has set. And so our sin is going to separate us from God Right? But thankfully here, he's going to work to reconnect people, whether you're a believer or unbeliever. He continually works to restore our relationships. I was reading this morning, First John, Right? we've got a God who is faithful and just. When we are faithful to confess our sins, he's faithful to, to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from our unrighteousness. Some of the things that we've been singing through here this morning. So for Adam and Eve and for you and I today, there's going to be consequences of sin. Right? And we've got stories that we could share. For the serpent, lowest of the low. You're going to eat dust all the days of your life. Did somebody ever tell you, you know, like, you're going to be eating my dust? Maybe you pulled up to a stoplight, some of you drag racers, right? Lights getting ready to turn green and you look over and you're like, you're going to eat my dust. right? What's the point of that? My car would never go fast enough to even make dust, let alone try to race somebody. What's the point of that? The point of that is, you're defeated. Before you even get started, it's over. And so when God looks at this serpent and says, you're going to eat dust, what He's saying is, you're defeated. It's over. Right? You think you've won here. You've struck a blow. But what you've got to know is that it's over before it gets started. Victory is just one step away. It's on the way. As a matter of fact, He's going to talk about it here in just a minute. But God pronounced consequences for the serpent for women, for men, cursed is this world. And yet he also pronounces victory here in the same thought. So here we see a demonstration of the grace of God. He could have thrown them out and said, I don't care what happens to you, but we're going to see he didn't cover up their sin. He didn't act like it wasn't a big deal. He's going to cover over their sin. right? He's going to cover over their sin. and He's done the same thing for you and I here this morning if we're believers And he extends the same thing to you and I if we're not. And so three, God's covering is going to point to Jesus as our only acceptable covering. And so right here we get the first glimpse of the gospel. Sometimes we think maybe the gospels are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and they are. But the gospel was initiated long before uh, any of those men were on this planet. And what I love about this is that when sin entered the world, when they ate of the tree, and they were acknowledging that there is truth, and that they've broken or violated the commands of God, at the same time, grace entered the world. At the exact same time, you've got God extending this great and wondrous plan for those who would receive it. So ultimate defeat is pronounced. Ultimate victory is secured. Verse 15. This is God speaking to Satan, pronouncing the curse And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike His heel. All right. He will crush your head and you will strike His heel. This is the picture of the Gospel. Alright? The seed of the woman here is the picture of Jesus Christ coming. You may know these things already. The one who's going to strike the heel is Satan. How did Satan strike the heel of Jesus? Him. Just through the whole the beating and through the crying through the crucifixion through all of that he's striking what he feels is a blow of defeat and he was absolutely right he struck a blow of defeat what he failed to realize is that he struck his own blow to defeat himself because he thought that he could put this man down and the ultimate result is jesus sheds his blood He's going to defeat the power of hell by being resurrected from the dead, right? So ultimate defeat is pronounced in Genesis 3.15. You're going to strike his heel through the crucifixion, but he's going to crush your head through the resurrection. So you think you've won in this moment. You think you've deceived men and women to follow you rather than to honor God. What I'm telling you is I'm providing a covering for them that's going to provide the way for them to be atoned or covered or have their sins cared for. So this is the power of the gospel right here in Genesis 3.15. I don't know that Adam and Eve understood all that. I don't know how they could have. Maybe God explained more to them in that moment than we have written down right here. But what I do know, they they maybe didn't understand everything that God said, but they definitely understood what God did. So here we're going to have the first death recorded in the Bible. What is it? All right, we think it's Cain and Abel. The first death is an animal. Death has entered the world for the very first time to provide a covering. Where sin entered the world, death entered the world, but death is going to enter this world, shed blood, so that there could be a covering for their sin. Let's read it here. Verse 21 says, The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife, and he clothed them. When you look that word up, garment, in the, uh, or skin, in the original language, it means hide, leather, or skin. Where do you think God got the hide or the leather or the skin? All right, from an animal. Now, we don't want to read too much into this, right? We can't make the Scripture say something that it It doesn't say, but somewhere God had to get a hide and somewhere there had to be an animal killed to have that hide removed. What was Adam's job in the garden? What was it? Take care of the animals, name these animals, right? Can you imagine as a caretaker of the animals standing and watching one of these that you've named be killed so you could be clothed? Maybe they didn't understand strike his heel and crush his head. Maybe they didn't understand the full scope. But when Adam saw something had to die so he could be covered, don't you know he never forgot that. For things to be made right between me and my God, this had to die. And I tried to sew some fig leaves together, and this is just a symbolic of man's attempt to try to cover his own sin. But our attempts have never been satisfactory to God. It's always required God to clothe us rather than us trying to be clothed in our own righteousness. It's Isaiah who says that our good deeds are like, what? Filthy rags. And so it's like I've sown my fig leaves on and I'm trying to make up for all the bad I've done and God's saying, that covering's not good enough, son. You are sinful. But for you, I've got something that I'll clothe you with. Now, try to get a word picture here if you can. Uh, the word for Adam and Eve's covering, the ones that they made, is Kagor. Uh, Kagor, K H A G O R E, is the original. And it means a belt or kind of an apron or a girdle. And I, I think probably the depictions in our little children's picture Bibles are pretty accurate. It was just something that would cover just a specific mid-area, okay? But it wouldn't cover everything. Now, when you get to verse 21, this word that translated garments here, this word is also translated coat or robe, okay? It's 36 degrees outside today. Do you want to go outside in a speedo or a robe? A robe, right? Because it's going to cover you over. It's going to take care of Everything. And so God gives here some protection for Adam. Even though he sinned, there's a curse for your sin. It's going to be hard to work the ground. You know when you're out in the summer heat for a long time, what happens to light-skinned people like me? We get burnt. Listen, I'd get burnt in some sown fig leaves. I'd get burnt bad. And yet God provided a covering. We're not sure of their skin tones. Earthy tones probably came out of the dust. But God provided a covering to protect him from the elements. To help lock in heat when it's cold. To help protect him from the sun and the wind and the rain when the curse of this world was coming against him in these forms of a natural disaster. So here you've got God providing what only God could provide. That is the necessary covering for the sin of Adam and Eve. And So he was clothed by God. The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and His wife, and He clothed them. That's just a picture of what God uh, picture picture I'll get it out in a minute of what God does in our lives here today. It looks different because we're on the revealed side of things. Adam and Eve never met Jesus, right? Uh, at least uh, up until His ascension, uh, not in the form that maybe he came to this planet, maybe we'll say it that way. So they didn't understand everything in its full scope. We're on the revealed side of things where Jesus has come, God in the flesh, where He was crucified, buried, and resurrected. We get to see things from kind of looking backwards. Adam and Eve were at the front end of this thing looking forward, so they didn't understand everything. But they understood that they needed to be clothed by God and that God would do that for them. Did God drive them out of the garden? Absolutely. Are there consequences for our sins? Absolutely. But God is this gracious uh, gracious God who's willing to cover over those who will look and to believe in Him, trusting in His Son for the Son's covering. So this is Galatians. This is New Testament. But it says, So in Christ Jesus, and there's several, maybe six or eight verses within the New Testament that talk about being clothed with Christ or clothed in His righteousness. We sang about it this morning, right? The solid rock. Um... When he shall come with trumpet sound, O oh, may I then in him be found dressed how? Dressed in his righteousness alone. All right? That's this picture here out of Galatians. So in Christ Jesus, you're all children of God through faith. For all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. You can get into Second Corinthians 5 where it says the one that knew no sin became sin for us so that there could be an exchange. Our sin so for his righteousness, to be clothed in His righteousness. Paul says several times, put on the Lord Jesus Christ. It's the idea of being dressed in the righteousness of Christ. And So here the picture is, we've got an acceptable covering, and it's not the ones that we try to create for ourselves, it's the one that God has provided. And that acceptable covering is none other than Jesus Himself. So, in this world, clothing matters. But really, this is the clothing that matters. I mean, we could dress, you could have a $2,000 outfit on today and not be covered. People have wardrobes that are bigger than the house that I live in that are not covered. They have the finest of the finest on the planet, but they're not covered. The covering that's necessary is the covering of Christ. So thankfully this morning, God continues to extend grace through His Son, Jesus. The exchange. My fig leaves, my way of trying to cover up my sin, instead of trying to hide from it, I can be honest and open about it, submit myself to the Lord, and He'll cover over my sins. He will dress me in a garment the Old Testament talks about robes of white. The end times speak of robes of white as well. And so there's a couple things I just wondered today. Are you, number one, are, are you covered by Christ? And by that I mean, have you looked to Him to be your Savior and to forgive your sins? Right? That's where this begins. Maybe you've never done that, and if you've not, then I'd, I'd love to talk to you about that. I'd love to pray with you if that's something that you would like to do. And maybe you are saved, and you're just trying to cover up something that you think's just not that big of a deal? Do you think that when Adam and Eve saw that animal killed, they thought, "Man, eating that fruit was a big deal." You think so? Or you think they looked this, oh. There's a bunch of animals out here. We could just go send more. If that's all it takes, he'll just kill another one and get us another coat, and we'll get a big wardrobe to take care of our mistakes. I think when they looked at that animal, they were just broken. They'd never seen anything die before. Death hadn't entered the world. And through eyes of faith, we see the same thing. We see a a God who took on flesh. Who was beaten beyond the point of recognition. Who was belittled, treated like a Barbie doll, just dressed up in a robe and had a crown put on. And people were mocking him as though he was some fake king. And as they stripped his clothes and nailed him to a cross and hung him there where he took his last breath and where he died with a pierced side. And when you look at what Jesus did for you, do you think, that's not that big a deal. Or do you think, man, I wouldn't have done that for me? See, Sometimes we know the story and we sing the songs and we read the text and we miss it without letting it kind of soak in on us. I'm just saying all that to say this. Maybe there's a sin that you've tried to cover up acting like it's not that big of a deal. Maybe today is your time just to confess this sin. Letting God once again cover you fresh. Cleansing you from your sin. Restoring you to a close relationship with Him. So I don't know your heart. You could have trash buried I don't know anything about. I could have trash buried you don't know anything about. But God knows our heart. He knows our life. He knows what's within us. His word goes out and He wants to deal with His people. And so if God's dealing with you today, I want to encourage you to respond uh, to however He's dealing with your heart. So.